Good morning. As happens here very often, most of the message was already preached during worship, so that's cool. So God, I just ask um, that I would get out of your way, Lord, um, that I would just be a vessel, that you would tie together the things that you've already released this morning. Um, I thank you that you go before us, Lord. Yeah, so I just ask that you would give me your words. In Jesus' name. So, I'm going to be starting with kind of a big chunk of Scripture. If you guys want to head to Psalm 27, I'm going to be starting in verse 4. Um, I tried to parse it down, but this is as low as the Lord would let it go. So, there's going to be a little bit of a chunk, um, but I feel like it's important. So, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So today I'm going to be talking about God's love, but more specifically, I'm going to be talking about how we need to feel God's love and we need to know God's love. He knows how our hearts work. He made us. He made us to feel. He loves us whether we feel it or not, but it's important to put our hearts in a posture where we can actually receive and feel his love. His love casts out all fear. It gives strength. If you can get a glimpse of just how deep his love is, it makes whatever he's calling you to do that much easier because you know how deeply and intimately he cares for you. And we have the fullness of love inside of us because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Something that we often tell ourselves is that we don't need to feel God's love. We just know that we are loved because the Bible says so. And that concept of love in our minds is what flows out to people. We think it makes us more holy, less fleshy. Like there's a lot of, in response to kind of the over, I don't know, the over like concertification 
of the evangelical church, a lot of people have gone the opposite direction. They're like, we're not chasing a feeling. We just want to know God. But like, those feelings are important. It's important to have those moments where you're actually getting before God and you're feeling his love. You're seeing his heart for you. We don't want to overcorrect into this dry, emotionless Christianity. He made us. He made our hearts. He made us to feel emotions. So it's that same trap that we fall into saying like, oh, well, I don't, I don't need to see a miracle. I know that God is good. Or like any of these things that we get into, like we're not smarter than God. These things aren't a test where God's like, I'll give you these miracles But what I'm really hoping is that you're holy enough and pious enough to not need them. You actually, like, I'm hoping that you don't need to see me work, that you just trust me anyway. That's not God's heart at all. He wants us to see him move. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know his heart. It's not a trick. So if God gives us love to feel, if he gives us gifts if he does wonders in our lives, it's not a test. He's not looking for us to deny them, like I said. If that was how it worked, it would be great. But God intimately knows our hearts. He knows how to draw us near. We need to feel his love in a tangible way. We need to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it's not just, I got the new car, I got the job. If that was what it was, all of the disciples would have lost heart. If that's what the goodness of the Lord is, all of the disciples would have lost heart. David would have, eh, David was actually doing kind of all right in those areas, but (laughs) the disciples, not so much. Um, The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living is knowing who you are in him and knowing who he is. That's the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All of these superficial things aren't, but Knowing him and being known by him is really what it's all about. And if we ask for it, he will give it to us. It might not look like how you think, so you have to be careful not to miss it. That's, that's the flip side of the chasing the feeling. Like we don't know what it's going to look like for each individual person. So if you're trying to do the falling on the floor or the laughing or the crying, if that's what you're chasing, you're going to miss when he's actually showing you his love because we're all different. We all have different ways that the Lord talks to us and he knows that. So if we're chasing those outward expressions, that's where it gets dangerous. But if if what you're really chasing is an innate feeling that God loves you, Like that, you're not at risk chasing that. You're never going to, yeah, it's it's two different things. But it's really easy in the flesh to see them as the same thing is basically what I'm trying to say. And it might look like hearing one or two words in your car by yourself that you know are from him. And it might be just a song at the right time. It could be a word from a friend or a family member or a stranger. It could be just seeing a sunset and knowing, like, that's God. Like, all of these things that we kind of are like, oh, well, that's kind of 
floaty and oh, esoteric, whatever it does. But the real stuff is reading your Bible and figuring out and tracing back the lineage and the roots of the words. Like that's the real Christian stuff and all of that other stuff. Like it's nice. It's actually the opposite. Seeing God, knowing him, feeling his love, that's the stuff that keeps you grounded. And then out of that, you get zealous for him. And now when you're looking at the words in Hebrew or you're looking at like, oh, this was translated to this and it says this in this translation, it's like, it's not work anymore. It's not tedious. It's like, oh, I'm learning more about the person who loves me so infinitely and so deeply. And it's so much fun to learn more about him instead of like, oh, I've got all these abstract concepts. If you start with love and relationship, it makes all of that other stuff that everyone else is chasing alive. So if you're not, it's simple, it feels small, but if you aren't contending to see these small but powerful miracles in your day-to-day life, you're going to quit. And they are miracles. Like, it's a miracle that in this fallen state that God still gives us glimpses of him. Like, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> it's cool. Um, and it's so important. So even David, the man after God's own heart, says in Psalm 27 that he would have lost heart if it weren't for the, this hope that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I think it's been a theme recently here, but I really feel the Lord emphasizing that we need to get back to our first love. Um, I believe Alice was praying about that earlier, and that, just, that was just another thing that is like, okay, I know that the Lord is going before me in this, so that was really awesome. Um, we need to get back to the early days of our faith We were wrecked in our hearts, realizing just how loved we are. I think I can speak for most of us. um, I bet that's what saved you. I bet it wasn't someone making a really good argument for Jesus, saying here, here, and here is why the gospel is true. That might have gotten you in initially, but the thing that had you praying the prayer and really changing your life was seeing him in your own way, and it won't be the same for everyone. I remember mine, I was sitting up in a balcony at my childhood church, and we were singing 10,000 Reasons, and um, it got to the part at the end um, where they're talking about praising the Lord on their deathbed, and that's the moment that did it for me. That's the moment that I realized, like, oh, this is actually a God worth serving. This is a God worth loving, Um, So that's what it was for me, and I bet you, I could be wrong, everybody's different, but I bet you it was probably something similar to that for you. It wasn't the perfect argument. It wasn't, oh, I read my Bible, and I found that there are this, this, and this that lines up in the Bible, and there's no other way, so I believe in Jesus, and I'm giving my life to him. I'm sure that it happens that way for some people, because that's just how their brains work, but I think most people, it's just knowing him and being known by him. I'll keep coming back to that a lot because I really feel like that's the main theme of what he's given me to say. Um, And we didn't get saved because you had this innate feeling that I'm bad and the only way that I can fix it is repentance and Jesus. None of these things are bad unless you lose your first love. David was uh, talking about admiration a little while back when I first started writing this message, maybe a month ago. Um, 
But that's where first love is. Um, that's what Jen was thinking about. To know him is to love him. Um, so it's getting close, looking at the Father, looking at Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, looking at the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. First love doesn't mean, oh, I remember when I first got saved, I read my Bible a lot more, so I'm going to go back and do that. Or I used to go to way more prayer meetings, or I used to go to way more Bible studies. Like I said, none of these things are bad. But if you do them without that love, without that zeal in your heart, it's dead. I mean, this is what the Pharisees were doing. It means remember, it means remember what that initial closeness to the Lord felt like, the newness of love. And you can still have that, I promise. The first works of your salvation were simple. You didn't know about all of these things. You didn't, and like, there's a bunch of things that helped me, that have helped me in my relationship with the Lord. So I just want to be super clear. I'm not saying any of these things are bad or wrong or that you're like getting onto the wrong path if you do any of these things, like having a prayer, coming to prayer meetings, reading your Bible more, doing Bible studies. These things are all awesome, but like when you first got saved, I bet you didn't know about any of this. Most of it was just like, I don't really know how to read my Bible, but I know I'm supposed to, so I'm going to open it up and ask God to help me see what it says. I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray for a minute and just kind of like figure out where the Lord is. I'm going to go to a prayer meeting, not really knowing why everyone's raising their hands or why they're sitting down or why they're crying or why they're going up to get prayed for. I don't really know how any of this works, but I want to know this God. That's the first works of your salvation. It's just spending time getting to know him, getting to know his heart, because you've gotten a small glimpse of how infinitely and infinite God loves you. There's sweet moments of understanding his heart for you. His love is so infinite and overflowing. Do you know that you could see something new about him every day and it could feel just as beautiful and heartbreaking and lovely as when you first believed, before you got comfortable, before you got complacent. This is the fiery heart that matters. Not the prayer circle, not the fire tunnel, but the, fire, but the fiery heart we need comes from the quiet, I'm proud of you, you hear in your heart that you know is from the Lord. It's reading his word, not for information, but reading it like a letter from someone you love who is far away now, just to remind yourself how he feels about you. Or reading it like a card on somebody's birthday, and they're standing right there, and they've just handed it to you, and they can say, like, this is how I feel about you. It's not some information manual from a bygone era. It's like God wrote this to each and every single one of you. And if you read it like that, and if you're going through it and you're like, God, what did you mean here? God, was this for me? It'll just, it's, it'll open up so much. Like these aren't, these aren't little things. They seem like little things, but this is the most important thing is like reading your Bible with him. We need our first love back, not our first eagerness or our first passion or our first devotion, our first love I'm going to go to Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. And I know that you cannot bear those who are evil. 
And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. These are all good things. None of this is a condemnation. The correction comes here. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Notice how he didn't say that they weren't doing the works. Never once does he say that they were missing a work. They're doing all of them. But you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. So are the first works... Let's go back up here. Are the first works laboring? Are they being patient? Are they not bearing those who are evil? Are they testing people who say they're apostles, but they're liars? The persevering, the patience, the labor, not becoming weary. That's not their problem. Their problem is not that they don't know the word. Their problem isn't that they can't discern who's a false prophet, who's a false witness. Their problem is that they left their first love. And he goes back again. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You have the stuff right, but you don't have love. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. We need our first love back, and it comes from time spent gazing on the goodness of the Lord, not on the troubles in the earth, or our unsaved family members, or our sin, or our disappointment, or our lack or the deeds of the Nicolaitans, or those who say that they're apostles but are not. That's not where love comes from. It doesn't come from gazing on these things. It comes from gazing on his goodness. It comes from seeking his kingdom first. If he tells us, hey, let's deal with this, let's talk about that, then we do it. But we want to be like Mary and not like Martha. We don't have to do anything for God. We don't have to do anything for God. God. God has stuff that he wants to do with us, and it's mostly for us, for our hearts to get closer to him. We talk a lot about advancing his kingdom, but we really need to be advancing his kingdom inside of us with his help. It's not the going out there and doing it and getting it done. He doesn't need us to do anything for him. He wants to partner with us so that we can change our hearts, and that when people see our changed hearts, that they might change their hearts, but we don't need to do anything for him. We haven't graduated from John 3.16. There aren't degrees of Christianity. There's no secret knowledge that you have to ascend to. The gospel is and always will be, no matter how much knowledge you gather, no no matter how much time you spend reading or learning, The gospel is and always will be for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is always the gospel. That doesn't change. We need to be growing in faith, 
hope, and love. If we're not growing, we're dying. Everything else is going away. Everything else. If we're not more faithful, more hopeful, and most importantly, more loving, we are not storing up any treasures that will last. This is our treasure in heaven. Everything else is going away. This is the eternal economy. Do you have more love? 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And I'm going to skip down a little bit here. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love is born out of time spent. Oil, treasures, these are stored up by time spent with the triune God. It's what we were made for. Treasures are not laid in heaven for, from your good works. This is so often flipped around. The truth is abundantly clear in the gospel, though. Think of works like your banking app or your credit score. You can say you have great wealth all you want, but it's proven by your bank account or your works in a spiritual sense. Time spent with God reveals his love. As his love is revealed, we desire to become more like him. As we become more like him, we bear the fruits in our spirit, and our fruits are shown to others through good works. It's not the other way around. You don't get more love by doing good works. You do the good works because you realize how much you're loved. So it's like a bank account. Like I was saying, like you works are kind of like, hey, this is how much I've got. But it doesn't, that's not what generates the wealth. What generates the wealth is love, faith, hope, and love. So James 2, 18 through 24. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was our father, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? By works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God 
and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So works are the evidence that we have the bank account and the, we've done the work to back it up. You can take on debt by doing works in your flesh, but they'll never last because they're not the actual thing that produces the wealth. They're simply the evidence thereof. It takes some nuance to understand by no means are works or good deeds or missions or tongues or prophecy a bad thing. They're an amazing gift from God. They're just not the ultimate good. They're not the goal. Just as if you want apples, you don't spend all of your time figuring out all of the different ways that people, other people's apples look like, how they taste, how much they t- cost at the store. If you want to grow your own apples, you spend the majority of the time focusing on the tree, feeding it, watering it, pruning it, driving away pestilence and disease. If you do this well, the fruit comes as a natural byproduct of a well-cared-for tree. The same is true with our spiritual lives. We need to focus on watering feeding, guarding, and pruning our inner man. And all these fruits and later good works will flow out naturally. I'm not saying don't preach the gospel, don't give to the poor, don't take care of widows. What I'm saying is if you do all of that without a relationship with God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, then Jesus will say, I never knew you. More than that, he'll actually call you lawless. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 lays it out plainly. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? I will declare, I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. This is Jesus' main warning to those who think that they are saved but are in fact not. His main warning isn't you didn't perform enough miracles or you didn't reach enough people with the gospel or you didn't have enough scriptures memorized or you didn't volunteer at the homeless shelter enough. No, it's you did all of those things, but I never knew you. Why then, in the Western church specifically, do we focus on all of the things that the lawless man standing before Jesus uses to defend himself, as opposed to focusing on the one thing that Jesus tells us secures our salvation, knowing him and being known by him? If your main focus is in a deep and abiding relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I guarantee that you will take care of the widows, you will feed the poor, you will heal heal the sick, and you will preach the gospel. And you'll do it way more efficiently than when when you try to do it with God as opposed to for God. So another analogy that the Lord gave me this morning when I was getting ready for the message was, um, it's like, a lot of you guys know my dad. My dad um, posts a lot on Facebook. (laughs) You can know a decent bit about my dad by just reading through his Facebook or his books or his music. He's got a lot of stuff out there. But if that's all you know about my dad... You can't say you know my dad. I know my dad. And, sorry, I know you're going to be watching this later. I don't read a lot of the stuff that you post, but you know that. (laughs) He knows that, but that's not the relationship criteria. That's not the son criteria. I love him. 
I want to read his stuff more. I want to be better about it. I really do. Um, but I'm not, and I know that that's not a condition of our relationship. That's not a condition of me knowing him. I know that the condition of our relationship is just that he's my father, but the reason that I have a good relationship with my dad isn't because I read all the stuff that he writes. It's because I go on car trips with him and I talk to him in the car. It's because we text and we call when he's on the other side of the world. It's because I go over to his house on Thursdays for dinner when he's here and we talk about stuff that we're interested in. That is why I would say I know my dad. And if anyone claimed to know my dad and they had just read all of his Facebook posts, I'd be like, that's really nice. I'm really, like, he would be so happy to hear that anybody is reading his stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure God feels the same way. But to say that you know him is a whole different story. Like, if you were to, if you were to show up at, like, a family party be like, hey, Tom, how's it going? I read all of your Facebook stuff, so I'm cool to come in. He's like, no. Oh, this is for family only. Really appreciate that you read all this stuff, but I don't know you. It's the same thing with God. Like, we can do all of these other things. If somebody was going out and they were feeding homeless people and, like, paying for sick people at the hospital, paying for their medical bills, and they were saying, like, doing this because I read Tom Stoltz's stuff. He's a good guy. I'm doing this for Tom. That, like, that'd be cool. But you still show up at the door at the family party. My dad's like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And that's not harsh. It's not rude. That's just true. And it's not any different with Jesus. We can do all of these things for him. We can learn all of these things about him, but we can still, at the end of the day, get before him and be like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And I really wanted to. That's the crazy part, is even beyond that, it'd be like if my dad was texting that person every single day, was like, hey, I'd love to get lunch. I'd love to get to know you. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to read all the stuff that you posted on Facebook first, and I want to go take care of all of this other stuff. And then you, can, then you and I can talk. And they never got around to actually talking to him. God is in these little ways every day like, hey, I'd really love to talk to you for a minute. I'd really love for you to set aside a minute here. Hey, I did this for you. I'd really love to talk to you about it. Hey, I wrote this for you. I'd really love to talk to you about it. And we want to be careful not to get caught up in all of the doing that we forget about the knowing. He doesn't need you, but he sure does want you. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Jen wants to come back up. Yeah, I know. We're good. I'm going to pray. <laughs> oh, God. I thank you.